Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. It is hard to believe that it has been a year since we had our first virtual Easter. I was hoping then it would be our last virtual message for Easter and that things would get back to normal uh, within a year. But alas, that is not the case. And here we are again. Now, I want us to look today at the story of Easter from the Gospel of Luke. There, we see an encouragement for times that aren't back to normal, for times that leave us longing. And so let's look to that text. We'll begin in Luke uh, chapter 23 and verse 55, and we'll read through 24 verse 12. And then we'll be picking up again in verse 36. Listen as I read the word of God. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seem to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And then we're going to look over in verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they, were still, while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. 
and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Thus ends the reading of our text. When we study God's word, we need his help, just like the apostles did even here in this story. So let's pray and ask for that help. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for this marvelous story, this story about the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, Lord, we pray that your spirit will be with us now, that while surprised that we will believe, that while uh, full of uh, profound uh, sort of joy, that we will be encouraged to move forward in witness. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will help the one who listens to believe and to be changed. And Spirit, I pray that you will work through my words and that you will use them to accomplish such wonderful good in those that listen and that it will lead to glory for you, we pray in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. So as we look at this text this week, uh, I want us to see uh, some wonderful things. One, I want us to see uh, the surprise ending of the story of Jesus. And secondly, I want us to see the fulfillment of uh, words. And thirdly, I want us to see the new beginning that we see in this text. But first, I want us to talk about the surprise ending. I say surprise ending, of course, because even though it has become familiar to us, uh, it was a surprise to the people who lived out these events. We see it in several groups here. First of all, we see the surprise among the women. Now, I started just a few verses earlier uh, than uh, the usual uh, resurrection text because I wanted us to see that the women uh, very clearly understood that Jesus was dead. Uh, earlier in the text, the part we did not read, it says that the women watched from afar as Jesus was crucified. And here in the text we read, we see that they also saw what tomb in, uh, that they had laid him. They saw this because they wanted to perform the service of anointing his body. Now, in uh, this culture, they did not embalm the body. They would use spices and perfumes essentially to mask uh, the smell of the decaying body in the tomb and also uh, to preserve it to some extent. And so this is what the women wanted to make sure to do. But they knew that they were running out of time on the day that Jesus died. Why? Because at sunset on that Friday, would have be the Sabbath would have begun. And so they saw where he was laid. And Luke tells us they went and began to prepare everything that was needed uh, to anoint him for his burial. And so there on that Sunday morning, they come early, early in the morning. The language Luke uses is that they come really at the break of day and they come with all of their equipment that they needed to anoint Jesus. And yet there was a surprise. The stone had been rolled away. And when they went in to look uh, to the body that they were there to anoint, it was gone. There was no body, but instead of Jesus's dead body, they are greeted with a stunning announcement. Luke tells us that they encounter uh, two angels that have clothing that 
are bright uh, and shining, which would remind the reader of Luke of the story of the transfiguration when Moses and Elijah met him on the mount and their clothes shone in great brilliance. Well, clearly the women were surprised not to see Jesus and surprised to see these angelic messengers. And they fell down on their face in fear and in reverence. And this is the surprise that they had. They were surprised because they expected to find a dead body of Jesus. And instead, they see the angels. But their surprise continues, doesn't it? For the angel said, why do you seek the living, literally the living one among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. What wonderful news, which of course is surprising to them. And then the angels do something beautiful. They remind the women through the proclamation of the word uh, that Jesus had already told them. Uh, Notice uh, what they tell them. Don't you remember what Jesus said? Uh, that he would be delivered over, that he would be crucified, and that he would rise from the dead. And as soon as they had said this, the women remembered. And perhaps then they were surprised that they had forgotten what Jesus had taught. It is with great excitement that they go off to tell the, the 11 uh, who and those that are with them who are the next group to be surprised. The women come and tell them this amazing story that the tomb was empty, that instead of Jesus's dead body, they found the angels that proclaimed that he had been raised from the dead. And yet the 11 were so surprised to hear this news, they couldn't believe it. Notice the text says that they thought it was just idle talk. Uh, In other words, they thought, Uh, One writer says that everything the women said was humbug, uh, that it made no sense whatsoever. Why? Because the news they had to share was so surprising, it seemed unbelievable to them. Peter was at least intrigued enough to run uh, to the tomb and look inside where he saw uh, the, the wrappings that Jesus had been wrapped in when he was put in the tomb. Uh, But he left just scratching his head with wonder what had happened. His surprise had overwhelmed uh, his senses altogether. I think this is a great uh, theme about this story, the surprise ending. I think it's an encouragement to me and to you and to every believer in Jesus is that even though we are often confronted with challenging circumstances, things that seem to be painful and even be death itself, we need to remember the story of Jesus, that the resurrection always comes as a surprise. And I believe in my life, in your life, in the life of other believers, we need to remember that resurrection surprise is still is still the birthright of a Christian, that we can always expect that there will be a surprise ending in the grace of God bringing new life out of what seemed to be defeat or pain or discouragement or even pending death. And this is the hope of Easter. I want us to be encouraged. The women were surprised. The 11 were surprised. 
And we need to continue to sort of prompt in our own hearts and lives a surprise at the power of God because of the resurrection of Jesus that is present and possible in our lives. Secondly, as we look at this text, I want us to see a fulfillment of words. Now, I've already mentioned once in this story that the angels uh, reminded the women of the words that Jesus had spoken. I love that. They needed to be reminded. Uh, He says in verse 6, Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? Remember, he said. You need to remember the words. He said, what you're experiencing, surprising as it may seem in the moment, is the fulfillment of what Jesus himself had said. As a matter of fact, later in this text uh, that we read, you see that Jesus himself wants to share with the the, uh, apostles that while this may be an emotionally overwhelming experience, they need to remember that it is a fulfillment of what he had said uh, before. Notice in verse 44, then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus is saying, even though it's surprising, this is not new. The resurrection is a fulfillment of what Jesus had said in his ministry throughout the gospel that Luke has written. Jesus talked about the certainty of his being delivered over, of him dying and of him raising from the dead. He said, this story as emotionally overwhelming as it is, uh, should be uh, less surprising when we reflect on what the teaching had been. Now, what an encouragement to those of us who are prone to forget what we have heard. But I want us to see a second aspect of the fulfillment of words that we see here in this text. And that is by drilling a little bit more into what I just read. Notice that Jesus said, the, everything that I said to you, everything that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, the story that we skipped over in our reading of uh, Luke uh, chapter 24 uh, today was a story about uh, the risen Jesus encountering two uh, disciples, uh, two followers of his, not part of the uh, apostolic band, but two people who had hoped that Jesus was the redeemer that God had promised, and they were walking on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus suddenly is there walking with them. And uh, basically, he, at the end of the stories, uh, shows them everything the scripture had said concerning the necessity of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And here he does it again with the apostles. Now, what is the significance of that? Well, what we need to see is that as surprising, certainly, as Jesus's bodily resurrection was in this story, it is not a new idea in Scripture. What Jesus says is that all of the Scriptures, which of course he's referring to what we call the Old Testament, he said, all of it was talking about me. Let's stop and think just for a moment uh, quickly about how the story of the Bible was all pointing 
uh, to Jesus. We need, of course, to start at the beginning of the story, that God created the world uh, simply by the word of his power, and he said it was good. He created humanity and placed them in the garden. And he said to them that they could enjoy it all as they worked it and as they multiplied and filled the earth. But he said, you shall not eat from the tree that is in the center of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet we find in Genesis chapter three that the serpent who was craftier than all the other animals, uh, tempted Eve and had her question the goodness and the kindness of God. And in, in addition, caused her to believe that if she ate from that forbidden tree, that her she would become wise and that she would be like God rather than simply having to be a creature who obeys God. And she actually uh, succumbed to this temptation and ate of the fruit and gave it to Adam. And he ate of the fruit and their eyes were open and they realized what? That they were naked. This is how sin came into the world. Now, as God comes uh, and uh, calls out for Adam and Eve as they hide from him in the garden, he goes on to give them a curse. And in part of the curse uh, that he gives to uh, the woman, he says she will have pain in uh, childbirth. Uh, He then also curses the serpent, and he says that there is going to be a child of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. This is a redeemer. This is one that would make the, the problem of sin and the fall, that it would make it basically go in reverse, that it would redeem uh, humanity after they had fallen into sin. Now, Adam and Eve, of course, believed that that Redeemer would come from one of the children that Eve bore immediately. But we know through what we see in this text and other places that the promise of a Redeemer is fulfilled in Jesus. In the story of Noah, God promised that he would never destroy the world uh, by the flood again. And he put the rainbow in the heavens to declare it. In the story of Jesus, we see that indeed the earth will not be destroyed, but like the new body of Jesus, all of creation will be made new again. We see that beautifully described at the end of the book of Revelation. In the promise to Abraham, uh, God promised Abraham that he would have a great nation, that he would be a blessing to the Gentiles. Even in this story here, we see that because of the resurrection of the dead, that good news uh, can be proclaimed to all peoples, not just Jewish peoples, that they can have their sins forgiven if they repent in Christ and turn to him for forgiveness of sins When we look at the story of Moses, the predominant theme is Exodus, Exodus, a delivery from slavery into freedom and into a promised land. It all was pointing and talking about Jesus, who is the one who takes us from a slavery to sin to a deliverance, not only now in Christ and our union with him, but for eternity with him in the new heavens and the new earth. And of course, as we get into the prophets, there is the promise 
of a new covenant, one that would be written on our hearts, one in which the Spirit uh, would teach us. And Jesus says, because of me, in me, you see this fulfilled. Because through Christ, uh, the resurrected Christ, his Spirit will now be given to change the hearts of men, women, and children. Praise God. All And this is just me covering the, 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 the really uh, the highlights in, in many ways. Jesus is what the whole Bible is pointing toward, what the whole Old Testament is anticipating, and what the whole New Testament explains. And this is what he is saying. Isn't that astounding? As we come to this Easter Sunday, let us remember that Easter is the fulfillment of all that God has ever said, all that has ever been written. And it helps us as we read any portion of scripture to ask the question, what does this tell us about Jesus? Because Jesus said it all was talking about him. What a great encouragement as we look at this text. But thirdly, I want us to see the new beginning. Now, I've already uh, referred to it in many ways, but the resurrection story here is the beginning of a new age. And you say, what kind of age? Let's call it a resurrection age. It is the age in which uh, reality and all of the fallenness that had come into it because of sin would be reversed. We see it here in the story of the resurrection in the body of Jesus himself. For what kind of body does Jesus have? He has a body that is very much like his body before his death in the fact that it can be seen, that it can uh, be touched, that it can eat uh, fish, uh, even is. And Jesus, of course, here in this story, invites the disciples to touch him, to give him that food to eat. Why? Because he's saying, look, this new age is a life in which there are some similarities. There is a continuity in it that we will still be physical beings, that we will have a, a real substance uh, in our lives. Jesus, uh, the first fruits, as he is called later in the New Testament, uh, of this uh, of basically the end here is showing that there is a real physical body. And that's important because sometimes even Christians begin to believe that the ultimate end result is us being disembodied uh, spirits living in heaven, which of course is a, a state that we have after death, but there is a life after life after death. And what is that? It is that we, like Jesus, will have physical bodies, redeemed, yes, uh, not susceptible to sin, yes, but new bodies. I think it's such an accommodation here that Jesus invites uh, uh, the disciples to touch him, not just to see him, not just to hear about him, uh, but to touch him and to see him eat this piece of fruit. Why? Because their instinct was to say this had to be a, a, a phantasm, a spirit, a ghost, if you will, that uh, this was like uh, the, the appearance of Saul that you see back in the story of the witch of Endor. But no, Jesus says, no, you can see that I am as real as anything you have ever touched in your life. I was reading one uh, writer, Dr. Williams from Covenant Seminary, and he made the comment that often people, often people give 
Thomas a hard time because he said he wouldn't believe unless he touched uh, the nail prints uh, in Jesus's hands and feet and put his hand uh, into his side where the spear had been thrust. And people say, oh, he, he, he's so doubting. But Dr. Williams uh, points out that, in fact, uh, we should celebrate this because Thomas was no um, uh, sort of, um, so, uh, what is the right word that I'm thinking of? He was not uh, one who would be deceived. He wanted to know with certainty that the this story of the risen Jesus was verified by physical touch and examination. And we need to be glad he did that. Why? Because we know, uh, even though we weren't there, that Jesus had a physical body. But the beauty is that we can also see this new era will be defined not only by its physicality, but by the physicality that's different uh, than what we have experienced and are used to. Not only will we not be susceptible to sin, but notice uh, that Jesus in this resurrection body can appear even when the doors are closed or locked. He can also seem to disappear from view as he does in the text between the two texts that we read. In other words, his resurrection body is like and unlike uh, the bodies that we're familiar with. If you want to look at a story that, uh, ha- a passage that helps us understand that more fully, you can look over at Paul's uh, description in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, where he talks about the differences between uh, the, the earthly body and the resurrection body. But this new body means the new era has begun. For us, it may be a thousand years hence, but it has begun, and it begun in the resurrection of Jesus. Secondly, I want us to see it's a new beginning. It's an age of witness. Uh, Notice what Jesus says uh, to these uh, apostles that are there gathered and those that are around them. He said, uh, you know, I've told you the story. I've told you about the fulfillment, not only of my own words, but of everything that the scripture has said. He says, you are my witnesses of these things. And what should they, a witness is someone who can say, yes, this is true. Yes, this has happened. And what, how do they do that? They do it to all nations, it says. Isn't that a great truth? That it is an age of witness. It is an age of saying that Jesus has been raised from the dead. So you, fallen person, you, imperfect person, you, person who can never please God by your own efforts or your own works, can be in a right and beautifully satisfying relationship with God. How? By recognizing our need of Him, recognizing our sin. He says that we are going to proclaim. Uh, forgiveness, repentance, and forgiveness of sins. We are, they are to proclaim in this new age that anyone who hears the story of Jesus and recognizes that they are in need of God's grace and forgiveness because of their sin can receive forgiveness in Jesus. They repent in Jesus. They believe in Jesus, and they become uh, one with Jesus through faith. What? Great news, and it is all the nations that that includes. But here we see at the very end of the text uh, the pointer that it will be an age of the Spirit. 
Uh, notice verse 49, and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. What power on high will be they, they be clothed with? It's the Holy Spirit that Luke writes about in Acts chapter 2 and, and on. <laughs> uh, there is the age that we live in, the age where we are not alone in understanding the truths that we read here uh, even today or the truths that we study or proclaim in the future. But we are one that are helped in our understanding and enabled in our witness by the Spirit of God Himself. What a beautiful thing. Uh, I love the Trinitarian nature of this statement of Jesus. Jesus uh, is saying that He, you'll be my uh, witness. You'll be the witness of uh, God the Son. You'll be enabled uh, by God the Father, sending God the Holy Spirit to empower you. What great encouragement. That is the age in which we live. You might be listening to this message, participating with us, and you might be thinking, I've heard this story, and I would like to believe it. How can I believe it? You can believe it through the power of the Spirit enabling you to believe, just as Jesus opened the minds of his apostles to understand how everything in Scripture uh, was pointing to him, the Spirit can enable you to understand the truth about Jesus, so that the truth about your sin, the truth about his grace, that you might believe in him. If you're a believer in Jesus, I want us to recognize that it still takes for a believer the power of the Spirit for us to understand his scriptures, which is why we pray when we study them. It still takes his Spirit to be able to be a witness uh, uh, for Jesus here in this world. It still takes the Spirit to change the heart of men, women, and children and so we need to always be in reliance upon his spirit in these things. Uh, lastly, I want us to see that this, the resurrection brings in an age of confident hope. Now, I end with this because I think it's what we still need more than anything to remember that even in a world that seems to be uh, coming apart at the seams. It seems there's no fun you can have uh, anymore in uh, 2021 that isn't curtailed to some extent uh, by the reality of COVID. And COVID is uh, a, a, just a, a stunning and unescapable manifestation of the truth that the world is not as it should be. Perhaps in your life, there is a relationship that is broken, and you say, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Perhaps you're listening or watching, and you have a physical malady, and you say, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Perhaps you are struggling with an emotional struggle that seems to crush you into dust, and you say, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, and you are right on every count. It is not the way it's supposed to be, but the story of resurrection, the wonderful truth of Easter is that we live in an age of confident hope. Why? Because the age begun in the resurrection of Christ will end in the bodily resurrection of all of his people and a time where heaven and earth 
will come together as we see at the end of Revelation, as I mentioned earlier. In other words, no matter how deep the struggle, no matter how messed up the world in which we live, the resurrection says that is not the end of the story. Now, will the end of the story come in our life? For some, it will, as God gives us a foretaste of that final fulfillment when all that is messed up is made right, when this world is made new. And sometimes we keep on suffering and struggling, but never without hope. When our hope wanes, we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus This is why the celebration of Resurrection Day is so important. I pray that this year it will be a time of joy for you, even if your circumstances would suggest you should be mournful. May you have joy because of the hope the resurrection brings for people like me and like you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word and that more than that, We are thankful for the risen Jesus. Jesus, we honor you and praise you. The one who has died for our sins and risen from the grave, we praise you. The one who will come again to make everything new, to right all the wrongs, to renew all that remains. We pray, O Lord, that you will help us through your spirit to remain in hope in this new age of expectation. Help us, we pray, Christ. Help us, for we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us uh, as we look at this glorious story uh, today. We always do love to hear from you. Uh, The Easter season is always a great time to hear from friends, old and new. All of the information is there on the screen for you to get in touch with us. Uh, we always love it. I have talked to a few people uh, this week who are heading off to spring break. So perhaps uh, you are the passenger in a car on spring break and uh, and, and we come up in, in your conversation, uh, only the passenger now. I don't want the driver sending me texts, but uh, reach out, send us a message and let us know how we can encourage you or pray for you. Now, uh, on Easter, I love to give this benediction Uh, It comes from the book of Hebrews all the way at the end. Hear this blessing. Uh, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit. Amen. Amen.